Get Certified Together program is created by Technocofe, your free online knowledge sharing website based out in London. in whole year if it's down for more than five hours then we will be dissolving we will be bring that application up within five hours and if you are not able to bring that up within five hours you'll be liable to pay you some kind of fine or there will be some kind of cost associated with it so that's sla or service reliable agreement this is just a generic term it have a lot of of course nitties and pretties you can understand you can read more about it if you are already in the tech field then you must have Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Get Certified Together series. This is episode number 43 I'm recording today and I'm recording this just next to the Christmas day. So we had some fun filled celebration. I had decorated my house. Of course, we got a Christmas tree. I got the fake one to be honest, but if you got the real one, if you are really celebrating with the real tree and all the full flesh decoration with a makeover of Santa Claus, then I really hope that you guys are having a great time. If you are not into the Christmas celebration, then Still, at least this is a holiday time and you can have fun even though if you are not celebrating Christmas you can still have fun from with your family with your friends if you are not having holiday period at all because I know in some part of the world there is no Christmas holidays I've been to that situation where we hardly had I think two or even one day of Christmas holidays it's not like it's a worldwide international phenomena we have some places where we don't have like those long period of Christmas holidays and full flash two weeks if you are from that part of the world then that's completely fine you can still have some kind of celebration and and the most important part is you have to gear up for the next year we talked about field resolution in the last week episode I shared one myself where for me I really tried to do something for my website and I was not able to do it I am writing the resolution again Hopefully I'll be doing it something this time. I don't want to fail back to back in the two years. But still, even if I fail again, then it's nothing to be feel bad about because uh, we can still get on our feet. We can still try to do something at least and still try to put some kind of efforts towards growing ourselves and towards building our, our knowledge, towards building our own personality so that's all we can try from our side of course the outside world the political and environmental side is getting messier if you know what i mean we have a lot of wars we have a lot of bad situation going in and around in different parts of the world i pray for the peace time and it was funny because i was reading it somewhere in one of the book that we actually kind of lived the most peaceful time of the humanity from 1950s to 1990s. We were in kind of like the most peaceful time in the humanity since we started having this recorded history. It's quite strange, right? Because we are kind of used to living in the peaceful world, but actually we are living in a peaceful society for just 40, 50 years. We are always in the wars and there was always conflicts everywhere. So it, it feels sad because it's kind of like part of human brain. 
a part of our nature as a whole that we we always try to find conflicts in the situation where otherwise we could have a peaceful resolutions as well i'm not that political in that sense i don't want to go deep into that i don't have much knowledge around the all the conflicts which are ongoing but of course we can always pray for the peaceful time and and if really we can achieve the peace and think about more towards like progressive society where we have more concerns around the real problems which is around environment and which is around making and building a better world for our next generation i'm not sure whether people are really into that but yeah that's something we should have to look into enough on all of that let's jump into the cloud security operations it's a, quite a big shift right from politics to cloud security operation but yeah that's how we do in the get certified together series in today's episode we will be covering cloud security operations domain 5 section 5.3 remember i told you that this domain is really big and they have a lot of subtopics which are actually repetitive if you, even in the today's episode you will find that some of the topics will be repetitive and some of the topics are already covered in the previous week's episodes but we have to cover them again and of course i told you that we have to cover this cloud security operations soon because it's bigger topic so today's episode might be a bit longer just bear with me and I'll try to wrap up all the topics of section 5.3 today. And before starting on 5.3, I also will be covering some of the pointers which I missed in the last week episode when I was going through the previous episode recording and editing that I realized that there are a couple of pointers which I missed. So I'll share that as well. Let's take a quick short break and then we will come up and we'll start with our today's week episode. All right, welcome back. So for the missed pointers which I told you about, one of the pointer is around the high availability calculation. So remember I told you that uh, there is always a requirement of having a high availability you should have high availability on application level your application should not go down we create this kind of like clustered host where different hosts have applications or have virtual machines spread across and if one of the vm goes down either due to a maintenance window or either due to some kind of outage you still have that application running on some other virtual machine so high availability is pretty straightforward the point which i missed last time was the calculation around that so we normally calculate it around number of nines so we have this denomination like four nines five nines which ultimately means 99.999 or 99.9 the higher the number of course if you have like five nine six nine that means of course it's more available and it have more resiliency so it's around that another pointer which i missed is around sla's SLAs is nothing but service level agreement where we actually have this kind of agreement with a cloud service provider or with the end users that your application will be always running for uh, this much duration and if it's down for example in whole year if it's down for more than 5 hours then we will be resolving we will be bring that application up within 5 hours and if you are not able to bring that up within 5 hours will be liable to pay you some kind of fine or there will be some kind of cost associated with it so that's sla or service level agreement this is just a generic term it have a lot of of course nitties and gritties you can understand you can read more about it if you are already in the tech field then you must have heard this term again and again all right for today's topic let's quickly first understand about the access control now access control part which is uh, via rdp or via ssh any kind of login which we are doing into the virtual machines or servers must have some kind of criteria associated with it i try to divide the whole topic into four or five questions so it's easier for us to understand from where we are coming into so when we talk about access control we must understand understand some questionnaires around this first and foremost is what is been access so when someone is asking what you are trying to access then answer could be we are trying to access a server or we are trying to access a virtual machine we are trying to access an application using a browser window what you are trying to access defines what kind of access control should be in place 
Second is how it's accessed. So if you are accessing it via terminal, if you are accessing it via RDP or remote session, you are accessing via GUI, a browser window. It can be a number of ways how you are accessing your server or your application. Second is where. So from where you're trying to access your application. Are you trying to access it from a remote host or a jump host or a bastion server? Or you're directly opening it from your local laptop or you're opening it via some, again, some browser window or something. So from where you are actually accessing this application. Then we have who, when we talk about who is accessing, it comes again into the role-based access control and attribute-based access control where we really define who is accessing and what kind of rights or what kind of authority they must be having once they are authenticated to get inside the system or once they are authenticated to access a server or an application. And last is when. So by when we can define, is there some kind of time-based control we want to put in? So for example, if there is some business critical application, which you don't want people to log in after office hours, you can of course place those controls. So all these five or six parameters which I discussed with you makes us easier to define and easier to control the kind of access we want to put in for our servers, for our virtual machines, for our application. Now remember, if you are using a public cloud, you won't be really bothered about server access because you are not really concerned or you don't even have an access to the physical server. But if you are having a private cloud or you are having a hybrid cloud, then you have some kind of components where you can actually have a physical control. So you have to first get answer of all these five different questions and then you can create a better strategy around access control. Now moving on from this access control bit, we already discussed in last week episode about operating system hardening and how we can create a security hardened system by applying some kind of like baseline configuration. We can disable those application or those processes or those softwares which we don't want to use on our operating system or into our application. And we can have this kind of like baseline configuration and baseline architecture. Let's discuss more into the patch management side now. When you have a baseline configuration and there is a recommendation of a particular vulnerability. Maybe there is a security operations team or there is a security scanner tool which tells you that your application or your particular software is vulnerable because there is some kind of vulnerability into one of the process. Maybe you are using the older version of a code. So you can have different scenario where you have this vulnerability assessment field for your server or your application and what you have to do is you have to apply some kind of patches in that scenario. Now this patching itself have different phases of course. First is where you detect the actual vulnerabilities and next the patch release for that vulnerability. For example, if you have one of the software which is running on older code or if you have some kind of vulnerability where people can actually have pseudo access without even having pseudo rights, you need to apply patch for that you need to maybe upgrade it to the next release or maybe you have to disable that particular function all these different ways to fix that vulnerability comes under the patch release but of course you cannot apply your patch right away you have to first assess what will be impact of it because if you straight away start upgrading your processes or your softwares or your application you might break few things people might not have the same kind of end user experience which they used to have there might be some kind of compatibility issues as well if your application is actually integrated with another application and you upgrade it without checking the compatibility metrics between the other components, then it might break few things as well. And now because we are moving more into this microservices world where we have different tiny microservices working on different containers or different pods, 
you have to make sure that all applications are compatible with each other. So you cannot just upgrade them right away without just thinking whether they are really compatible. So you need some kind of testing as well before applying the patch. And of course, last but not least, you need to get approval before applying the patch and verify everything is tested, everything is working as expected once the patch is applied. And it really makes sense if you have some kind of automation around this whole patching process. So for example, in case of Windows, you can push the patches via GPOs or you can have this Vosus system, which is WSUS. I actually forget what it stands for, but yeah, there is a WSUS system, which is responsible for patching your Windows system. For Linux, we can use our own open source tools like Ansible or Chef. So we have a lot of options to automate this whole stuff because of course it doesn't make sense to do everything manually if you have finally into the phase where you know what you're trying to upgrade, but your estate is having 100 or 150 virtual machines or 50 or 60 servers. You cannot just manually log in and do everything on your own. So it makes sense to have some kind of automation around that. Next is monitoring. Now monitoring itself is of course quite relevant in any kind of infrastructure, be it cloud, be it older way of legacy enterprise infrastructure. We always need a monitoring. Monitoring itself can be around performance monitoring where we check whether we have any kind of packet drops, bad IOPS between the storage and between the server. There is monitoring around capacity as well where we keep checking that our RAM or memory utilization is in control. And remember we talked about this in the last week episode where we discussed about clustered host which makes sure that our capacity utilization is spread across different servers. So we have some kind of a balance if we have multiple applications running onto different servers and different physical infrastructure. Using cluster host, we can create kind of pool of all the resources and we can actually manage the utilization bit as well. Monitoring all these different KPIs or different criteria help us to keep our whole estate, including application, including virtual machines, the whole estate healthy and keep whole estate in, in a better situation where we are avoiding any sort of like unexpected event and in case of critical event, we can recover it as soon as we observe that they, indeed something is going down. Even we can have this like proactive approach where we observe the behavior of the application and our servers. And we can have this kind of trend where we can observe and understand that something is going wrong with the system. So monitoring, of course, plays a critical role. When I'm talking about monitoring, it's not really about only applications or software monitoring. It's really about hardware monitoring as well. So we have to keep check on our those physical components like fan modules, processor, physical RAM, they should be always up as well. They need to be monitored as well. Now, of course, we cannot keep everything healthy and keep everything up always. These are indeed a physical infrastructure. These are actually a physical components. Even your laptop, your mobile phones, they also go down now and then, right? So it's really no brainer that your physical infra can also go down. And in that case, we of course need backup and restore. So we have to keep our backup. We have to keep all the critical files into a remote location so that we can restore it if there is really some issue with the existing server. We can have different kind of strategies around that. We can take only the backup of the files. We can even take the snapshot of our application, which is more common in case of cloud-based infrastructure where we have this virtual machine snapshot or more in terms of like software level than normally we have this database backups or configuration backups where we only keep the file level copy of the real database or the real configuration and we try to store it in the some other location. We of course have to test them now and then because maybe the strategies which you put in place, maybe the file you have, you are actually backing up. If you are really trying to restore them in event of uh, some kind of outage, maybe they will not come up 
as expected. So you need some kind of frequent testing around that as well. So you always have an idea and you can also, of course, estimate the real downtime and how much time it takes you to recover the application. So frequent backup and restore testing, of course, makes sense in that scenario. Just bear with me if you feel that I'm actually going through these topics quite fast than normal because I know some of the topics are actually repetitive. We have covered them again and again. So it really doesn't make sense to go into detail in this particular domain. So that's why I'm trying to just skimming through the whole chapter and, and just covering all the subtopics of this section 5.3. Now for network security control, we have discussed different strategies around segmentation. We have discussed about firewalls as well. One of the topic which we haven't covered in much detail so far is around IDS and IPS, where we have intrusion detection system and intrusion prevention system. IDS is nothing but a solution where you actually detect if there is some kind of discrepancy or some kind of abnormal behavior which is ongoing into the network, then this kind of IDS solution can easily detect those. And of course, they can trigger the alarm. You can have network-based IDS solution which are actually put onto the network layer. So maybe they can be put on some uh, firewall interface or maybe on the router interface as well. We also can have endpoint IDS solutions where endpoint agents are deployed onto actual laptops or physical servers. So anyone who is trying to send data from those server or from those laptops will be triggered right away. So we have different ways of deploying the whole solution. IPS is more advanced form of IDS where we actually have a real blocker as well. The data can be blocked right away if someone is trying to send data from a local machine onto the remote host, which is different from the normal behavior then IPS system will actually block that traffic. Now, this is of course quite cumbersome. If you have it frequently and if you have a lot of false positives, then maybe the real users will be impacted. Maybe the, there is actual genuine traffic which will be blocked. So of course you need to optimize these rules again and again if you are using some kind of AI based models and your solution is claiming that it is self-learning model and it will detect the behavior on its own, you still need to do some kind of analysis and fine tune those because if you have more false positive, that means the real users will not be able to send data outside. Another strategy around network security control is use of honeypots. Honeypots are nothing but some physical servers which are created just for the sake of getting attacked. It sounds funny, but they are actually created, they are actually configured with some kind of fake or some kind of irrelevant data related to your company or your organization. And that data is actually put in place on those servers. And they are just lying around inviting the hackers or inviting the bad malicious users to try to get into those systems. It of course helps in detecting if there is really some bad users who are trying to get into your organization. And if you see any activities on those honeypots, that mean, of course, someone is actually trying to get into your organization. Now, where it sounds like this honeypot is actually not onto your real company or production network, it will be in, into a completely different segment. So even if someone is trying to attack it, they will not be able to traverse from your one network to another network. It will be a completely separate network with its own server and with its own configuration. So it's kind of like just sitting around and just helping your organization to detect whether there is really something bad ongoing. We have already talked about vulnerabilities and uh, patching and how we can have this kind of like elaborate plan around patch management. Another point of around vulnerability assessment, which I missed during discussing that is vulnerability assessment actually provides a good comprehensive report about your organization and about your systems which are deployed onto your cloud or onto the physical infrastructure. Because now and then if you are at that kind of organization, which have some kind of offering, which you're selling to your end users and customers, 
maybe they will be also interested in knowing what kind of vulnerabilities are there into your system or what kind of fix you have applied into your system because their security team might come up with some kind of recommendation, some kind of CV number, and they can come up to your security team that we are worried about this particular vulnerability. Is your end system have this vulnerability as well? Using that report, of course, you can showcase that you are completely fixed and patch around that. So vulnerability assessment help not only internally to fix everything for you. Of course, it helps in selling the application to end users as well. If you have this kind of like comprehensive list with all the vulnerabilities and what kind of fix you have applied for that. Now, last topic of this subsection or subtopic of this whole cloud security operations domain, which I'm covering today is management and orchestration. Now, management is nothing but having a management plane or control pane. We have covered around this in our storage and network controllers discussion where I told you that we normally keep a separate controller which manages everything be it a network controller be it a storage controller we also have cloud controllers as well which control and operate all the compute powers from a single machine but the management plane or control pane which I'm discussing today is around the network which is used to communicate with all these different components. It's always recommended to have a different control plane and a user plane. User plane should be completely around the real data which is going in and out. And control plane or management plane will only be dealing with traffic which is used to control all the components. So management plane or control plane, it's quite pretty normal today. It means we, all the applications, be it cloud-based, be it virtual machines, servers, storages, they all have this segregation. And if it's not part of your application architecture, if it's not part of your system design, then go for it create that because we need to have we should have these planes or these two type of networks two type of user traffics on different segments on different interfaces orchestration is around automating most of the stuff because if if you have an estate where you are building or if even have an application which have multiple virtual machines then it makes sense to have all those virtual machine kind of orchestrated or kind of created as part of single stack or as part of a single workflow so orchestration is built creating managing and even destroying your application your your virtual machines your containers part of a single stack part of a single workflow and do it in a single goes because it's much easier to clean up once your application is used and it serves its purpose you can clean it up easily if you want to apply some kind of patch you can apply that patch easily as well so orchestration of course makes sense to use it in your day-to-day -day cloud security operations all right that's it for today's episode i try to skim through all different components of this subtopic of cloud security operations which is i think it's named physical and logical infra control i try to cover most of the topics around that in the next week episode of course we'll be continuing into the section 5.4 of this domain i'll be gathering more information for that and sharing with you all let me just quickly open up the syllabus and see what and all we will be covering so next will be more around operational controls and standards so it will be topics like change management ism incident management i don't think those will be that much interesting at least for me but yeah i'll try to read them through and i will of course share everything around that so like i said so next week we will be wrapping up that subtopic of this domain so we can slowly progress towards finishing this whole cloud security operations all right i will not take more of your time because of course it's christmas period and it's holiday period and if you are still listening to me then come on get a life i also have some life my pizza and my beer is waiting for me inside the house i am just heading out there you guys have fun and enjoy the day goodbye and good luck
Thank you for listening to Get Certified Together. If you loved our content, then please like and subscribe from your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss the notification for our next episodes and announcements. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.